Hello once again and welcome to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my lawn cast. Don't worry, we are gentle lovers and we will take care of your needs. This show features the open-minded musings of two mid-40s curmudgeons, the aforementioned lovers, who stare down the prospect of entertainment <laughs> irrelevance. I'm your co-host, Bill Scurry, of America's Caesar Enterprises, which, as you all know, uh, is a factory which only makes the large spinning wheels that people use in ceramics. But that's all we do. We're not diversified. Please stop asking and stop mocking us online. It's very insulting. You know, there's... Um there's actually a debate among historians whether the the horizontal ceramic wheel came first before the you know the the wagon wheel or the wheel we think of as wheels like vehicles uh-huh. and they actually i think last i read they think it's more likely the ceramic wheel came first because it's easier to maintain that kind of you know there's there's fewer forces at play there right um and then and then maybe some guy just stared at that and he said hmm this might be handy if i you know, put it on the bottom of the thing I'm dragging around. Right? You know, what a lot of people don't know is that the very first wheels were made of uh, blocks, as like in the Bizarro world. And, and the cars oh, yeah, in the Bizarro so world right. were cubes. Yeah, right. And the earth was, was, was cube-shaped back And then. people had flat faces with planar features and yeah, white most skin. most people don't know that. Yeah, we, we evolved from Bizarro's. We all, we all look, we all, all men dress like Superman and all women look like Lois Lane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and the weird thing is, which actually is true, people say the opposite of what they mean, which actually right. is how the world right. does work today. So we've right. gone, you, we've gone back yeah, to a Bizarro much, heritage. Yes, we're, we've, yes we've, we, we've gone full circle or cube as the case we've, we've, Exactly. The, the, the we've, spinning, the, 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 yeah. the vicious cubes, as you might right. say. Right. D- Devo was right. Anyway. Yes. We're all over the place here, folks. But that is, in some respects... Uh, apropos of this week's but topic. Now, does, I... Yes, yes. I want to hear who I you know. are. I know. You want to know who I am. The, the suspense was only, killing me. You've only known me for like 20 years. Uh, my <laughs> name is Noah Tarno. I am the oh, founder it's been, of Oh, it's Cedar. been exactly 20 years. Yes, you're right. Uh, yeah. We Did we meet in 02? Yes, we met in 02. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about that? I know, right? Happy, happy, uh, no, silver is 25th. Happy us anniversary. Uh, no, twentieth anniversary gift is a is a pillow with the design of a classic prog rocket. <laughs> so, folks, I um, my, so let me finish. My name is Noah Tarno. I'm the founder and senior quizmaster of the Big Thing. <laughs> Can't even say it. It's also the twentieth anniversary of the Big Quiz Thing, my friend. Yeah. Uh, the Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show spectacular, which I've been doing for twenty years. Uh, so recently, folks, I sent Bill a present. We um, those of you who don't know, Bill is an aficionado of uh, classic uh, prog rock. You recently heard him on, what was the name of that podcast you were on, talking about Tarkus? Oh, that was, oh, Jesus, yeah, I can't remember. Um, uh, I'm losing it. It's a woman, Mariah Gates. Yeah. Mariah Gates. I actually read her name in a review. Oh, no, I think the Wikipedia page about this movie we're talking about this week. Thank oh, you no about. shit. How about that? Okay. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I've heard her name. Right. She's been on one of your oh, it's Prague Save America. with you. It's Prague Save America, yeah. Prague Save America. Uh, I also heard, I'm getting way off topic here. Uh, she also talked about Bob Dylan with my friend Rob Kelly. But um, anyway, so uh, Bill loves that album Tarkus by Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. And I've heard Tarkus. It's okay. Uh, but anyone who knows anything about Tarkus knows the album cover is a picture of an armadillo with the body of a tank. It's very memorable. And I, I personally, I find that the most appealing part of the album. So I found online a pillow with a picture. I wanted a pillow in the shape of Tarkus. I Very couldn't difficult. find that, like, yes. die cut like Tarkus. I couldn't find that. So I just found one with a picture of Tarkus, and I sent that as a gift to Bill. So that is the traditional 20th anniversary friend gift. And <laughs> and so 
If you have a 20th, set, a 20th anniversary friend, uh, you could give him a Tales of Topographical Oceans pillow. <laughs> you could give him a pillow with that screaming face from In the Court of the Crimson King. A Van de Graaff generator pillow. Van de Graaff generator pillow. A gong pillow. A uh, goblin pillow. Does fo- Foxtrot from Genesis on a pillow? Uh, right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Phil Collins has evolved to the point where his face is a pillow, so it's pretty accurate. Oh. Oh, come on. <laughs> How dare, how dare you say negative words? The man who brought us two hearts living in just one mind. He is a god, that man. Wasn't that about that that, that Ray Milan movie where the two heads are, um, uh, Ray Milan and Rosie <laughs> with Greer? With Rosie Greer. Yes, yeah, it's, the first record of the song was two heads grafted on Rosie oh, Greer. Oh, man, we're falling down a pit here. <laughs> Rosie Greer, yes. most people don't know this, serious, was with Bobby Kennedy when he was shot. He tackled Sirhan Sirhan. Oh, I don't think I knew that, no. Yeah, he was there. He was there. Did he have Ray Mahan's head on his neck at the same time? He had Ray Mahan's, and he was doing needlepoint at the same time. Those who don't know, um, Rosie Greer was a football player. He shared my birthday and hung out with Bobby Kennedy, and he became famous for for loving needlepoint. Oh, that's to the point to the point where he like published several books about like needlepoint for men. You know, big football playing black guy who was obsessed with needlepoint. I love the fact that his name was Roosevelt, and of course, you Roosevelt to Rosie. It makes sense, you know. Uh, you know, when you're that big and strong and you don't worry about people m- making no. fun of you because your name is Rosie or because you're doing Needlepoint. Or because you're in a movie where Ray Milan's head is grafted onto your shoulder. Again, presaged by Phil Collins and his song, Two Hearts Living in Just One, Rosie Green. Which came ten... It was presaged afterwards, as I like to say. Yes, it was post-saged. <laughs> oh, man, we've fallen down a pit here. I'm a little punchy. You're a little yeah. punchy? I'm a little punchy. That's fine. It works. Uh, people love it. in the home. The people seem to love it. I'm back in uh, the city, the hometown of the big quiz thing, and and for both of us, our former home, the place we met, New York City. The city so nice. They, the city's so nice they never named it. Yes, uh, New York City, New York County, New York State. Uh, and Bill, of course, is in Amsterdam. And every week we talk about something that's happening. It's hot. And this is a movie I heard a lot of people mentioning it, saying I need to see it, but I knew nothing of it. And um, our friends, uh, Aaron Grunfeld. And Alice Swenson, fan of the show, uh, loved this movie. And when they heard we were talking about it, they were very excited, they said, to hear what we think. So, uh, Bill, why don't you tell us about everything, everywhere, all at once. I'm going to tell the bastards what this is all about. Yes, yeah. that the name of the movie, like you said, with all its superb... No, that's... Everything is... Um, I forget what the, what the part of speech that is. Everything, everywhere. Anyway. Noun? Yeah, I guess so. This is a feature film by Daniels. Not to be confused with William Daniels, of course, the voice of Knight Rider. Uh, but Daniels... No, is a... the voice of Kit. The voice of Knight Rider. Knight Rider, I guess. David... Was... He yeah. was called Knight Rider, wasn't he? David Hasselhoff was Knight Rider, right? Maybe you're right. Yeah, I guess he was Knight Rider. Michael or was Knight. Knight Rider just the show? Yeah, good question. That's our next episode. We're going to get into that. Uh, so Daniels, not the Daniels, but Daniels is a quirky directing pair um, of two guys named Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. This is their third film after uh, the death of Richard Long and Swiss Army Man, which I believe did get a. I have not heard of the first one, but Swiss Army Man got a, got a release in the states, and it had uh, that had Daniel Radcliffe and Paul Dano. It was a very surrealist a movie. Lot, a lot of Dans in this in these people's work. A shitload of Dans. It's it's Dan yeah. Radcliffe, Daniel Radcliffe, Daniel, yeah. Richard Dano, Daniel Defoe. Daniel Radcliffe is playing Weird Al. Did you yeah. see the trailer? I have not seen the I'm trailer. I'm excited but, for this. Yeah. 
my uh, friend, uh, my my good friend Jackie Weiss was the head of hair design on that film, and she said, uh, "Oh, how good, how cool." She said Daniel Radcliffe is a real nice guy. Yeah, yeah. Supposedly he was not destroyed by fame, which it, it's really that's reassuring. Uh, this is an A24 release. In fact, all their movies are A24 releases. If you know anything about movies, uh, that's a sort of style, almost a genre in and of itself. They're, they're sort of a, an art house uh, label. Um, they don't stick to one form of film, but it's an imprimatur of quality, so you kind of know what you're going to get. Um, again, if you have any idea uh, what what you know what you're dealing with here, if you look at A24, it might mean something to you. Anyway, this film stars features is top lined by renowned Chinese melee actress. Michelle Yeoh, famous for many, many, many legendary martial arts movies beginning in 1985 with a pretty zippy movie called Yes, Madam, which I only saw last year. I'm not really, I haven't watched a lot of those Hong Kong movies because they're somewhat comedic in some places. But anyway, Yes, Madam was great. Hell of a way to start a career off. So she's been at it for a long time. I want to say she's in her, she's almost 60 years old. I think she's 58, 59, mm-hmm. 59 years old. She will old. be 60 this year. Yeah. Uh, the plot of this movie is very weird, but it's kind of zeitgeisty at the same time. It's, it's highly unusual that like with Doctor Strange coming out a couple of weeks ago, which in the name, it says it all right there. It's all about the multiverse. Um, this movie has a lot of that same kind of uh, style and the same kind of content, you know, it pertains to a multiverse, in fact, where an infinite number of Michelle Yeoh's exist. Um, yet the character we're actually introduced to first is is uh, I'd say the first person in this movie is Evelyn Wang. Uh, she is a failed laundromat owner in somewhere in California. I mean, I don't that doesn't matter. I think it's I don't think they ever really say no, but it, it's obviously California. I'm just saying somewhere like, in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it looks like it looks like just outside north out of, north north of Los Angeles to me. Just kind of trying to put it where it might have been. Anyway, she's trying to sort her life out. Um, strange things happen. Uh, and th- to this Evelyn, uh, as she's contacted by alternate versions of her husband, including to a titanic battle for all of reality in which this unknowing, sort of unheralded, um, languering, floundering version of this character is the linchpin uh, of this whole conflict. So it's, it's, it's a little difficult to explain, but I guess you know that's what makes this a, a psychedelic stab at pop cosmic storytelling so fun um, and timely. Because it's zeitgeisty, because it kind of challenges the audience, because not a lot like it, to be honest, at the moment. Um, the supporting cast includes, I believe, I did not check this beforehand, I believe his name is pronounced Kihai Kwan. I mean, I've always yes. assumed it was when we were kids. He also went by Jonathan Kwan. Oh, yeah. Well, he's going, but he's, uh, he's a former child now actor. He, yes, now he's going with his Chinese name. Yes. Yeah. Um, he's actually Vietnamese. Actually, they're... they're He's he's from Vietnam, yeah. but his family is Chinese. ethnic Chinese, right? He's he's well, I think he's American at this point. Yeah, he he pretty much grew up in, in Los Angeles, so he yeah. went to school. Yeah, he's you know former child actor. The reason why you might know the name is because he was in Goonies and Temple of Doom, of course. Right, uh, he yeah. was Short Round and Data. Yeah, so. he's he himself too has a kind of compelling storyline here. Not, I mean, as a as a man, as a person, he's coming off a twenty year retirement. He kind of like backed out of acting, went to behind the camera, was doing a lot of stunt work, and then not even that. I think he kind of realized he hit the wall. He just felt like there was entrenched racism that was keeping faces like his, especially if it wasn't a kid, because some of the roles he played as a kid were dodgy. His, his performances were fine, but I'm saying it's like the methodology of putting an Asian kid, almost for the sake of being an Asian kid, were, right. were a little dodgy. The wacky, years. nerdy sidekick. Correct, character. correct. Yeah. So that's compelling. you know. Also, you know, you got a couple of other actors. Uh, James Hong, who is... James Hong, man, 90, that guy's in everything. 93 years old or so, and he just He's got, that old? Oh, yeah, Jeez. yeah. He's just got his Walk of Fame star a couple of weeks back and a pretty heralded... Um, 
uh, uh, ceremony and all around good guy. Just one of those linchpins of the business. Um, right. He so was. I believe. I would say his most famous role was Big Trouble in Little China. Right. Um, you know what? Yeah, you could, that's one way to go with it. it I think James, James Hong, for me, was a, my favorite movie of all time, Chinatown. People forget that. Also, he was he, in Chinatown? I yeah, didn't know that. He played Faye Dunaway's okay. Gardener, Khan. Yeah, he, he's got a he pretty... Was in, looking at this, he was in every spy show of the 60s. He was in Hawaii Five-O, Kung Fu, Man from Uncle, Perry Mason, I Spy, Bonanza. In the old days, he played... He was in Blade Runner? Yeah, yeah. Look oh, at he, this. He, he Look made, at his crap. He made uh, the eyes. He made uh, Rutger Hauer's eyes. That was his job. Was he built really? the eyes for the replicants, yeah. I also remember he was the Chinese ambassador to the U.S. on the West Wing. Yeah, he's done it for... And, you know, the thing is, as Hollywood has had this slight, he's played Japanese. He's played every single Asian yeah. ethnicity along the way, which, you know, that's... that's <laughs> but but look at this. He was born in Minneapolis, Minnesota. A lot of people so think he's from China. He's, he, grew up, yeah. he grew up speaking Chinese, but he's from the Midwest. Yeah, he was supposed to be a civil engineer. Like, he, acting was not the thing he was supposed to do, but he couldn't say no to it, so... You know, here's another interesting factoid about James Hong, was that he was at the forefront of um, Asian actors complaining in the mid-80s. I don't know if you remember this, but uh, Jonathan Price, the Welsh actor, was hired in Miss Saigon in the West End of right. London. Right, that's right. To yeah, do, that and he was deal. playing an yeah. Asian, he was playing with, with, with yellow, uh, yellow face, essentially, with stretched eyes. And it was a white actor as the engineer. Wait, did they literally stretch his eyes? Yeah, no, they made them into oh, Asian eyes. Yeah. Come on. And so James Hong and a lot of other actors at the time started to say it's like this is very bad for Asian actors if you can cast <laughs> white people in yellow face. Uh, which I always appreciated that. You know, uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah, yeah. Mickey, with Mickey Rooney as the, the the annoying Chinese, some kind of Asian. Japanese, uh, he was Japanese, yeah. It's Japanese, okay. All right. Anyway, I, either way, Mickey Rooney not. is not of East Asian descent. <laughs> so with the not. with the table set, uh, yeah, Noah put this out there. Uh, we wait, I we waited until it was available in our respective nations, and uh, so I'm interested in what Noah had to say about this movie. I think this movie's pretty good. Uh, I'm not over the moon about it, like my aforementioned affor, aforementioned friends. Uh, there's a lot to like here. It is very original. I mean, even I, I'm a. I don't know if I've ever said it on this podcast, but I'm a bit of a cynic about mainstream movies that like stumble upon, you know, intense philosophical ideas. I did not like uh, Inception. I hated The Matrix. And part of what I hated about The Matrix was that this idea that we're all living in a simulation is shit I talked about with my friends when I was 14. And to think that like your genius are coming up with it, I think is is pretty is pretty pathetic but this movie even if the initial concept you know i I haven't seen dr strange yet but 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 the daniels are quoted like they thought spider-man into the spider-verse stole their thunder in a way but even if you accept that they find a way to tell the story in in an original way uh i think i had i haven't seen movies that these guys did before but they're clearly very talented it's very well directed uh, the acting is excellent, top to bottom. One thing you didn't mention is Jamie Lee Curtis, of oh, all yeah. people, yeah. shows up as sort of the villain, sort of the antagonist. I mean, this movie's so thorny, it's it's hard to really label anyone like that. Uh, very out of type. Like, when you first see her, you'd be forgiven for not, um, for the whole time, not recognizing her. She's that, wearing that wig some is doing a lot of work, you know? Ridiculous, like, silver gray wig. She's very frumpy looking. I mean, she looks like she's wearing some prosthetic to make her boob sag. I mean, it's just she looks very not, not, uh, not the final girl or or the prostitute in trading places or anything like that. I mean, she's a lot older too. Um, she's excellent. I mean, and also one sign that we're in the semi-fantastical world is her name is 
Deirdre Bo Beardra. Did you catch <laughs> yeah, that? I did catch that, yeah. So this movie's playing around and nothing's realistic, even before you get to the sci-fi fantasy elements. There's some terrific imagery in this, some solid special effects, uh, some good action. You know, there's a lot of fighting, a lot of martial arts in this, and it's well-directed and well-done. And Some of it's very bloody and very violent. You know, this ain't for kids, that's for sure. Um, and it has, I think, a lot of interesting th things to say about several aspects of philosophy. There's a lot about nihilism, right, that nothing matters. There's multitude and multitude of worlds. Every, I mean, they mention, like, the many worlds theory, you know, every choice branches out into a new universe. And, uh, you know, they say something about nihilism, and I think the climactic conclusion they come to is a little realistic, uh, not realistic, a little predictable, but it's nonetheless effective. I, I mean, spoiler alert, because you shouldn't be listening to this if you haven't seen it. They basically conclude that, yes, not, the one thing that matters is love. All you need is love, which sounds like a cliche, but, you know, they find a way to make it affecting anyway. Um, and I also think it's very comforting these days. You know, when things seem grim, it's in some ways it's nice to acknowledge, yes, things are grim. Maybe nothing matters, but some things matter because we love each other. We care about each other. If you have love, you have something. Uh, I mean... <laughs> I don't know how personally comforting that is to me, but but I, I it, it, it resonates with me nonetheless. Uh, I did find this movie a little hard to follow. I really was able to make more sense of it afterwards when I read a few reviews and read the plot summary on Wikipedia. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not the most... <laughs> my reading and viewing comprehension skills have really atrophied since college. Um, so I did find this hard to follow, but you know, still enjoyable even when I was a little lost. And also just might be the headspace I'm in these days. I'm very stressed out. So I miss some of the subtleties. Um, actually, here's a question I have. Uh, is, um, I know it's about love, but is it a metaphor for acceptance? You know, uh, Evelyn's daughter is gay and the family's having trouble accepting her girlfriend. Like, couldn't tell how much the whole thing was like, a metaphor for love who you love. And I, I don't know. Maybe that's not important. Um, I am reminded of the, the, the filmmaker I most was reminded of was Bong Joon-ho, uh, who everyone knows by this point, you know, since he did Parasite. And he won an Oscar. He won the Best Directing Oscar for that. Right? Uh, best Picture, I believe, too. Yeah. Best Picture. Right. I know he did Best Picture. But I also saw a few of his Korean films, uh, The Host, and I saw Snowpiercer, which was American. And I have to say... The aesthetic that reminded me of him and Bong Joon-ho's aesthetic, I like Parasite. I mean, I liked all those movies to an extent, but there's an aesthetic that doesn't really work for me, the kind of real sudden tonal shifts. I like black humor sometimes, but there's a flavor to it that I found a little off-putting. So I think this movie's good. It's not exciting me in that. It's got a kind of style, makes kind of stylistic choices that just don't click with me. And also just, you know, call me a dummy if you want. I wouldn't be the first, but I just, I found it a little hard to know exactly what was meant and going on at certain points. Like, what is, what was the everything bagel? Like, I think I get it, but I'm not sure. They use an, an everything bagel, a mystical bagel. They refer to it as a bagel. It's kind of, it's like a black hole. Yeah, the terminus, the end, it's Ragnarok, the end of yeah. everything. Yeah. But it's just, you know, when you put everything on a bagel, it has everything. Hopes, dreams, you know, all that. I kind of like that idea. I always thought the everything bagel was very poorly named. 
So, um, <laughs> yeah, I give a thumbs up on this, but I'm not, you know, crazy doing backflips and jumping in the sand over this. What about you? Yeah, I liked it quite a bit. Um, you know, the, I think the, the the thing you're talking about in terms of being uh, whiplashed by it certainly is the movie's intent because it does, uh, you know, crack like a, an animal's tail back and forth. Uh, from one thing to the next and you know especially if each character is playing multiple versions of different characters and the only thing that clues you in for the transfer is almost in the way they kind of snap their head a little bit or straighten their jaw out it's like as the body is entered by another persona um, and so you get all these various um, you get a lot of cutaways to other universes where they're playing sometimes they're more um, farcical like they have hot dog hands and another one yeah, yeah. one of my favorites was that they're living inside of what it looks like is a Wong Kar wise um, in the mood for love it's very glamorous almost like 1960s Hong Kong and she's a film star yeah and, 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 well and that's a little meta in that Michelle Yeoh's a film star yeah but can and I, it literally looks like they're taking footage from yeah. actual time like you see one from like the red carpet for crazy rich asians yeah yeah yeah, so yeah exactly pretty meta i always like meta kihai kwan is dressed yeah. and he's got these like perfect black room glasses he's in like an armani suit and he looks like a completely dashing clooney-esque version of himself as you would find it i, I didn't recognize him at first as the same guy I yeah that was a different character that's what that's what's great which about it shows you what a great because his main character is this kind of frumpy loser yeah yeah, yeah, floundering. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, good actor. I, I, yeah, no, they're, they're great actors. You know, the, and I really like the film um, for all those reasons and that it um, seems to have been involving its its actors as creators. Like, they, they really brought the actors in on purpose. Um, and they, Michelle Yeoh said some story about she read for this and she really wanted to do it. Now I can't imagine who else would they even have told, who would they have well, even gone to? They wrote it for Jackie Chan. Did you read that? I did not read that. No. They wrote it for Jackie Chan and then I think much to their benefit, they rewrote it to make the main part a woman. Yeah. And, she's, and I mean, yes, but once they get to a woman, who else would they get? The fact that it was a female Asian star recognizable in the U.S., but just, like, sound, just, no, just about Sandra the, oh is one of the biggest Hong Kong actors to cross Asian over. American, I mean, there have been a Canadian. couple, but uh, Michelle Yeoh is, uh, you know, is there's a small handful of them um, yeah. after Jackie Chan. By the way, I, mean, I, I think she's she's a much better actor than Jackie Chan all around. Jackie Chan may be a style, a force force majeure, a style, yeah. uh, you know, style master, a Hong Kong god uh, when it comes to stunts and, and uh, martial a, arts. No, he's a he's an action movie guy. I feel like if this was Jackie Chan, this would be closer to a Marvel movie. Right, it wouldn't be nearly as deep. No, Michelle Yeoh yeah. can go to places. Her age and you know the fact. I mean, Michelle Yeoh is a mother. I mean, not that Jackie Chan isn't a parent, but yeah, all those things were sort of bounded. She really bought into it. Um, she is this. This is the most rounded performance of her career. I'm going to say it here. This is not a big declaration, but it's like she's going to get an Oscar nomination. I, I wouldn't yeah, be shocked probably. if she actually wins too. It's like yeah. this is. You never know these days. I mean, Oscars have really opened up to. The types of movies that Oscar yeah, and that too. Talk about the Oscar yeah. whiplash between Holocaust yeah. movies in the '90s, dour movies winning everything. You know, these days, what really wins everything are biopics of these slavishly hidebound stories where the actors wear prosthetics to, you know, look yeah. like somebody over the course of forty years of their life. And that's right. the, that's just bullshit. I don't care about Gary Oldman dressed as uh, Winston Churchill. This this movie is it's a crowd pleaser. It's making a lot of money. It is buzzy. It's on the tips of everybody's tongues. Uh, it's making a lot of money for an independent movie. Sure. Let's be clear. Yeah, I mean, it's I not think... making a lot of money compared to 
you know, the only other things in theaters, which are you know, Marvel I movies. I talk about this all the time, Disney man. Films. There was there was a day where you made a movie for twenty five million and it grossed sixty. When, and, and, and you know, it just opened up internationally this week. It, the reason why we're doing this now is because I couldn't see it until Wednesday. Uh, it went it went wide. It went to the UK. It went to Europe on Wednesday. So it's like their money was just made in America, and it's like now it's, I'm sure it's not going to play in China, but it, I think it's going to open up even more in Europe and people have a real hunger for this because you've just been hearing about it. So yeah, you know what? In the old days why, wait, why do you think it won't play in China? China doesn't allow American movies anymore. That's it's a punishment to us. They're making their Literal, own films. like nothing? Uh I didn't know very that. few. No, in fact if you want, really? there's a whole episode of the James an evening with James and Bill that we have to a whole segment about the Chinese market. It's a, it's a divorce between China and Hollywood. But anyway, that's a separate topic. Um yeah and it's and it's like this movie like it's going to double its budget it's probably going to triple its budget by the time it's done it, that used to be considered a smash hit but well what once people here we talk about it, yeah. it's just going to go through the roof yeah uh but yeah you know and here's you know here's the stupidest thing in the world i read about this because the audience engagement is crazy too rotten tomatoes has got an insane number metacritic's got a yeah. great number there was like the one bad review of course i wasn't it wasn't going to come from armand white or some some axe handle like that it came from richard brody of the new yorker oh god and richard brody is such a crank you want to talk about a guy who doesn't think there's been any good movies made since 1966 richard brody <laughs> has spent an entire career waiting Wasting oxygen talking about Godard, right? And it's like I, he gave this movie such a pan of all the guys. Really? That, yeah, in the New York. Oh, like, I want to read that. This I, I really want to read that. This now. movie, which by the way is has been so possessed and seized upon by Asian Americans, in, in, in like the the amount of love, the amount of encomia of, that are out there on Twitter. Like th there are, I mean, look on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter, and you'll see just crowds of like, honestly, there was one picture, what was it, a bunch of Asian American teenagers laying on the ground outside of the movie theater as if they were just shot, like they were so swept out by this, you know, like th th there's so little representation um of it. that's you know a case that wasn't obvious you know this movie is really really asian american i mean the directors are not one of them is one of them is white uh but this this has a consistency you don't get to see the the kind of cast that the themes are universal but the way that it shows the themes i think is very endemic to asian american I, families i love how the main family the way they speak, they're just like intermixing English and Chinese. Yeah, I love almost that. like sentence to sentence. And that's, I mean, if you've been around which people, is, that's exactly how yeah, it works. They I, go, I certainly, you know, I mean, a lot of not just Chinese Americans, you know, yeah. Latino people do that as well. Yeah, I love so. that. That was incredible. So yeah, I mean, this, well, um, you know, this is going to be one of the real stories of. Uh, I hope that because you know it's still early in the year, and what happens is the Top Gun comes out later in the year, and there's another Marvel Comics movie. Like we're gonna move on, but I hope that what this movie is achieving in terms of being both a commercial success, a pop, a pop success, and also as a piece of art, I hope it doesn't get lost uh, in the shuffle as we go towards you know the traditional Oscar nomination season. But I, I I trust it to to you know shine through in the end. Joy, wait, please. I have something to say to you. What? You, you have to try and eat healthier. You are getting fat. Why do you, we think that, you know, there's a lot of little indie movies these days that just disappear like a, a cloud of dust. But why is this one kind of, you know, lasting, surviving, being a hit? Why are we talking about it? Well, it's, it's a very simply as a film, it's a great fusion of movie DNA. Um, you know, the, the directors themselves are obviously very talented and, you know, there's no shortage of talented directors because they 
come out of video games they come out of music videos like visual stylists who can be great storytellers aren't really uh, uh you know there's not a shortage of them in hollywood the trick is do they vibe with the material and do they make a connection with something that is you know a real success and this these guys have been waiting for a catchy hit uh and they managed i think cracked a lot of code you know, and they bring in Michelle Yeoh, who's, you know, one of the most popular actors to ever come out of China. People love her. She's got a ton of goodwill stored up. Even, you know, people always perennially find her action movies, uh, the Chinese language action movies from Hong Kong. It's never a bad idea to cast her if you can. I mean, her movies have been crazy rich Asians. Those things have been very successful. She was in Shang-Chi, for God's sake. Um, and, you know, I think that one of the other overarching things and you know, and for with all the, the whip crack stylistic things and the sort of um, uh, theme heavy, um, you know, sci-fi elements and, and you know, which could easily make an audience member get lost a little bit in all the translations is that this is a metaphor for family. And, you know, like I said, like I said, it's it it's definitely refracted through the Asian American lens. But I mean, the themes of family and, and the way in which Michelle Yeoh is gonna like for instance she's about to tell her daughter something in the beginning of the movie very important and she catches herself and the way she kind of recalibrates and she says i think you're getting fat what she meant to say was i love you but she couldn't say it to her daughter so instead she says something she's comfortable with saying which is a criticism and it's like well that is definitely realistic that is and you don't expect that to be the like that's the beginning of this very style heavy trans-dimensional time travel type weird thing it's going to be this the relationship by the way the daughter is this actress stephanie shu um she's very good and she too has been in um, a lot of things recently she she was in shang i did not recognize her. <clears throat> she was in shang chi as well yeah this is the weird thing really when, the beginning of the movie i actually met her at a rooftop party with my friend john bander once in brooklyn um when she she was a ucb person she trained and she's doing um and she also did an episode of kimmy schmidt with with john bander at the time so they were kind of hanging out and also her girlfriend in the movies, this actress Tally Bedell, who I knew as well. I met her. She she was uh, the lead in Bruce Smolinoff's uh, short film Muck from about five or six years back. Really? Yeah, oh, we helped ca- helped cast her. So it's like there was. I also felt this like thumbprint of oh, this is really awesome. These people go to Los Angeles and they're not just getting work, but they're getting good work. Anyway, I'm I'm, I'm going down a rabbit hole here. Yeah, I mean, you know what? It's interesting that again, it's got so much pull amongst Asian Americans. The representation, the fact that you know, a guy like J- James Hong is inside of it, and everybody. What was the word for grandpa it was gong gong i think they kept calling him it's like no i'm sure yeah i believe that's a chinese term for maternal grandfather yeah I, I you know like i think at this point he looks there's everybody looked the part you know as, as gl- glamorous and beautiful and stunningly uh, uh, you know stunningly talented and 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 um you know as michelle yo is it there was no trouble at all buying her as a um a launderer who is her business no. is fucking off. i didn't recognize her at first yeah yeah she she's very good yeah. Anyway, so what do you think is popular? We're at a moment of Asian American awareness. You know, the identity, the unique identity of Asian Americans has been put under the spotlight, partly because there's been increased violence against yeah, them because no crazy shit. people blame them for COVID because crazy people got it crazy. Um, and, you know, I think every overlooked group or any large overlooked group certainly is saying, hey, you know, we have our stories to tell as well. I mean, you know, Asian Americans aren't a small group in this country. We, we see them all over the place, but their stories don't really get told that much. And even in Hollywood, where I, it might feel like we hear a lot of, you know, we see Bong Joon-ho as a star and, you know, Michelle Yeoh 20 years ago was in Crouch, Tiger, Hidden Dragon. But the, those are Asian stories. We're talking Asian American, which, of course, is a completely different thing. So what is unique about that experience? 
and the immigrant experience. Michelle Yeoh's character and her husband, they're both immigrants. Their daughter, of course, speaks, you know, accentless English because was born in the United States. So, and her girlfriend's, uh, her mom says, your girlfriend's white. She goes, she's half Mexican. Yeah. <laughs> which is a funny line. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's, I think people are hungry for those stories. I imagine Asian Americans certainly are exploring what's unique about their identity. So that, that's something the movie's got going for itself. I think genre mixing is hot, right? And this movie certainly does that. It's an action movie. It's a black comedy movie. It's a, a movie that explores philosophy. Um, I think genre mixing is a big thing because something we've talked about in the show before is culture kind of folds in on itself, right? It becomes you know recursive and commenting on itself. I think people are looking for more than just the straightforwardly told story in one discrete genre, right? So something that can pull in a thousand different ideas is going to you know, get more purchase with the modern American entertainment mind. Um, and look, in a dark world, people are looking for explanations. And I think this movie, in a very you know, well-crafted way, attempts that. Says, you know, what is the meaning of life? I think whether you realize it or not, people are always looking for the answer to that question. And this movie... <laughs> kind of attempts to answer that kind of says nothing but you know there's still something nothing but then it kind of says but maybe there is something you know so i think this is giving people a lot of what they want and maybe even what they need and then i'll just say this is an example of something good you know being recognized for being good why are you doing this pay attention when we leave this elevator you can either turn left towards your scheduled audit appointment or you can turn right and go into the janitor's closet why was I going to the gender? Not now. No, would you have liked this movie as a child or a kid or a young adult or whoever, whoever you purport to being? If I had seen this movie during college or right after college or even my later years of high school, I think I would have liked it a lot more because uh, I, uh, you know, it's funny. I, comparing my mind to the way I was when I was young, I think back then I had a more agile mind. I certainly think I had a, I had a, greater attention span. Um, I have more wisdom now, but I kind of feel like I was smarter back then. But then again, I didn't realize how big the world was. So, you know, wisdom makes me see how much more I didn't know. Back then, I thought I knew most of what was going on because I didn't know what I didn't know. So I think I would have eaten up the philosophy and the message of this a little more eagerly, and I would have uh, understood its, you know, the folds of its philosophical argument I, w I would have been a little less confused by it. You know, we mock old people like, I don't understand. But, you know, step by step, I'm getting into that world. So I'm a little more sympathetic, though. I'm a little more sympathetic to, to dumb old people. Look, I still remember what they say. They're like, if your parents can't figure out something technological, cut them some slack. Remember, these are the people who taught you how to use a toilet. They taught you how to use a toilet? I missed out on that. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, you had to learn from some, some kid in the playground. I school. had to be taught the hard way up on the streets. You know, I came up on big toilet. Big toilet was... Uh, was under you still don't thumb. know. You I still, still, don't I still know. Really, that's what it comes down to. Yes, I still don't yeah. know. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, this is... It's phantasmagoric filmmaking, kinetic sense of action, for sure. Like you said, it's a good thing done well, which is always always helps. Um, and, you know, the, the actors are tremendously appealing. Um, you know, you, you, you can't undersell... By the way, Jamie Lee Curtis and James Hong to me, because it's like uh, I when I was a kid, 
I realized I'm kind of some kind of sick bastard that I was like scorekeeping for character actors from a long way back. And it's like I, I picked up when I was like 11, 12 years old, I was starting to realize, oh, this guy James Hong is in a lot of things I like. And he stars in a lot of genre stuff. You know, and even to the point where I got a little bit of a John Carpenter vibe because, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis mm. started her career off in The Fog and Halloween uh, with yeah. John Carpenter. Uh, she kind of broke through. Se- second consecutive week on the show, we've mentioned Jamie Lee Curtis. What are oh, yeah. the odds? Yeah, how about that? Yeah. And, and, and yeah. like Noah said before, James Hong was the bad guy in um, Big Trouble Little China. You know, which those things were phantasmagoric filmmaking, too. Those are a little more restrained and stayed, but it's like it, you can't do you could certainly do worse than bring back pack, uh, members of the John Carpenter acting repertory. So it's, this is easy. It would have been a slam dunk. I certainly would have liked it as a kid. I'm not sure that the themes that the sort of mind bending philosophical things like in terms of uh, the, 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 the bagel thing, you know, is a MacGuffin. It's, it could serve as something great if you want it or it's just a thing that needs to be there to indicate there's a terminus they're trying to fight. You know, like, I don't know, you give as much importance to that as you want. Um, for me, it's like I'm going along with the characters and that means I'm going along with the actors um, who are portraying the characters. And if a Michelle Yeoh wins me over, as she did today, not to, I mean, in this day when I watch it, yeah, it certainly would have happened when I was a kid, no doubt. You know, I love seeing compelling people. And yeah, there's just enough here for a kid to soak up. You know, and I also think that the fan base of this movie is being energized by a lot of younger fans. I have to imagine that. I again. hope so. That's nice to know. Yeah, yeah. That's nice to know. I mean, you know, who's going to the th- Are old people going to the theaters anymore? Um, I don't know. I mean, who is going to the theater? If they are, is there a demographic thing? Did some people leave the theaters behind after COVID? It's, the jury's out yet. I don't know. But yeah, certainly. I think this is actually made for young for young people. I think all the, the Daniels movies have been made for young people, essentially. There's a little bit of a, you know, wacky disobedience with, you know, yes, hip, hip actors. Is. You know, the freaking yeah. Daniel Radcliffe's uh, corpse being used as a jet ski by filling his butthole up with water. Yeah. You know, it's very strange things in that. The- and there's some great little, you know, curly cues of like juvenile, the butt, the butt plug I mean, thing, right? You know, there's 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 an action scene that involves a butt plug, which is kind of hilarious. Mrs. Wang, hello. Look, I'm sure you have a lot on your mind, but I cannot imagine anything mattering more than the conversation we are now having concerning your tax liability. Bill, is this a sign of the apocalypse? No, of course not. Uh, but it is another thing which indicates how stir- starved uh, certain audiences are for stories which pertain to them, but yet you know apply to everybody. Um, it's not a fluke that like Crazy Rich Asians, Shang- Shang-Chi, and Turning Red, you know, have done some business recently. Um, That's right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, a, there's, I forgot about Turning Red. There's definitely a trend of Asian American stories. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was the other, the, the Good Dragon, or no, there was some, Raya, Raya, it was another movie that came out, I think, it wasn't a hugely successful uh, Pixar movie, but. Isn't, isn't Raya the, the app where famous people date each other? <laughs> that I can't comment on, but. Okay. I mean, look, we. we, we no one invited us. We know that these, audience, we know why these audiences are ignored, you know, it's like people still, my, my friend uh, Jane Chang mentioned, uh years ago she said asians are always punished for for being the model minority you know like i had not heard that term i realized that is a social sociographical oh, yeah yeah term sure. you know where it's like this is just a, a flawed gigantic flaw in american society and over the course of the 20th century into the 21st century now this always makes me think of um 
the Tyler Perry movies, for instance. And, and to be honest, you know what? I, <laughs> really? I, you know, I would okay. no. I, the reason why is because Tyler Perry movies, you know, they, that man has become a billionaire on the backs of serving one specific type of audience. His movies are made for African Americans. They're very, you know, with with a Christian bent to them. Um, they are made on a factory. They're on rails. You know, he built this gigantic. Uh, 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 studio assembly outside of Atlanta where he just does these things one after the other. He, he writes them, he directs them, he still plays Medea. And, you know, people say these movies are genuinely terrible. If you're a moviegoer who doesn't like having their intelligence intelligence insulted, um, I, know, I, I know some African-American people who are really, really insulted by the fact that Tyler Perry's movies are a smash industry unto themselves, you know, because they they, they just think that it is, it is an insulting portrayal to some people of, of african-americans i haven't seen them and it's like you know what for the purposes of being educational i if one of these movies came out i i, I wish that that's something that we could get on this show because we've never looked is at he phenomenon. still doing medea movies yeah well Those yeah still happen? he put medea away then i think he took her back out again but i mean it is really talk, talk okay. about gris for i don't get it something tyler perry related would be perfect because i've never even looked at a single yeah, what does he second. do now he had a sitcom or something yeah, for a while yeah a big time it went on for years and years and years yeah oh um, no i knew that this guy was a like world anyway that's i'm just i'm just saying it's like you, you you could you could make a lot of money and you could make you could you could like move the needle by paying attention to um under under fed audiences and you could do it in a couple of different ways you could make movies like medea movies which again are very narrow or you can make a movie like this i'm sure there's a lot of room in between but no i mean the, the sign of the apocalypse is that you know uh quote unquote minorities or whatever we can construe as to be minorities are still left out of the picture and like everything Franklin Leonard was saying, we were talking about nepotism last week. It's you know, it's a dearth of uh, creativity. It's dearth of diversity in the people who who produce the the programmers, the producers, the green lighters, the developers. That's still mostly a white upper middle class uh, demi monde that people have not been invited. The C suites mm -hmm. have not become have not become diverse. Getting you know Asian directors and Asian you know craft people and you know below the below the line. Uh, talent, heads of departments, that's one thing. But if you're not essentially making decisions up at the top with movies, right. it's just not going to happen. And still, like, the, 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 what is it, benign racism of, you know, this is, quote, an Asian movie and not just a movie. Correct, right? correct. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. This movie becomes, gets token, tokenified yeah. to make up a stupid word. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree with all of that. I also think the fact that uh, no, this is this is the opposite of apocalypse for for I see two big reasons. One is the fact that something so complex and so deep and so thoughtful can be a hit is evidence that maybe we're not you know descending toward complete stupidity, right? Yeah. That maybe Devo wasn't right, you know. Uh, if our brains can handle, I mean, I feel like my brain can't handle this, but that's okay. Like I'm old and, and desiccated, but if um, if young people are really getting a lot of juice out of this, you know, I'm, re I'm reminded speaking of movies that, and I never guess the endings of movies. That's even at my smartest, that was never me. But I remember when I first saw Get Out a few years ago, five years ago, I, I could not guess the ending. And I watched it with my nephews maybe a year later and they were only 14 or 15 and they guessed the ending like that. They're like, oh yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. And um, I'm like, whatever, they're way smarter than me. But I like to believe they're indicative of a lot of kids their age or young adults their age now. Uh, I don't know. I, I, that's probably seeing things through rose-colored glasses. But the success of a movie like this is evidence for that. The fact that people can take this deep, complex, philosophical movie and get a lot out of it proves that maybe we're not as dumb as we think. 
also the fact that a small movie like this, I mean, $25 million and a lot of special effects, didn't really quite feel small, but it certainly is small compared to, you know, like you said, it feels like everything is fucking Top Gun or the new Pixar movie. The $25 or, million you know, is the craft services budget on right, Avengers the, Endgame. Right, the fucking Aunt May solo movie, like every obscure Marvel character ever is going to get their own movie. And then they're going to, you know, for every 10 Marvel movies, they're going to pump out one piece of shit movie about a DC character, which breaks my heart because I was a DC kid growing up. Um, so I feel like the fact that a small movie can be a hit, you know, let's get back to that world. I mean, how nice would it be? First of all, how nice would it be to go to the movies for like five bucks, right? Just see a movie. <laughs> Instead, it's got to be like, you know, you got to take out a mortgage on your home, second mortgage to go see, you know, freaking moon Knight part six so um yeah i uh i i think this is uh we should be happy for the success of this movie look this is your universe one bubble floating in a cosmic form of existence every surrounding bubble has slight variations but the further away you get from your universe the bigger the differences this is where i am from the alpha first all right man let's bring it on home let's talk about jealousy bring it. and how that yeah. how that might apply <laughs> tell me about jealousy now I mean, I'm jealous of anything that's successful. I'm jealous of anyone who can really, you know, that this movie makes me feel something super deep. I felt a little something, but it didn't connect with me in that level. And I wish it had because, you know, we all want to. I, I intellectually get the argument and see how it's affecting, but I only felt little bits of it. Also, I don't know, there was a moment that's like, you're happy as long as, yes, you have love and there's the mother-daughter relationship, but there's also she's like, I realize Waymond, my husband, is a dork, but he's a sweet dork and he loves me and he's supportive. And then, of course, I'm a little uncomfortable with you, with my daughter having a girlfriend, but, you know, does that really matter as long as they love each other and they are a cute couple? And being being a being a single guy myself, I'm like, great. So, like, my life is meaningless because I'm not coupled up. I mean, I don't think that's true, and I think the movie's saying there's more to it, more to love than, than romantic partnered love. But that, that kind of gave me a moment. I'm like, well, thanks a lot. Uh, and I guess that that's a form of jealousy. Um, but I don't know, you know, it's hard to get more jealous of people who work their ass off at something I was never going to, you know, these guys met at Emerson college studying film, the Daniels. I never really wanted to make a movie. I wanted to, you know what? Did I ever tell you this bill? I feel like in an alternate life and apropos here, cause this, this movie is about alternate versions of yourself. I was a pretty good music video director. I think oh, yeah. I'd be good at that. Yeah. Possible. But a narrative movie? I don't know. I, I just no. So good on them. They did the work. They got it done. They they you know they punched the clock, checked the boxes. And, yeah, they kept, uh, they kept you, know, you know they kept a lot of they juggled chainsaws. You know this was this was a high wire yeah. act putting this thing together for sure. Yeah, I, I the only thing I could possibly be jealous of is um, the juice that Daniels uh, the partnership they have uh especially because now what looked like a weird thing by the way, i didn't see swiss army man i just followed its success and know about it but it's like that's a movie that you could have just dismissed as saying oh that's a quirk fest it's really psychedelic and you know you don't necessarily see this as being the follow-up to that you know real crossover movie with commercial potential but it's like i appreciate that that these guys are figuring out ways to measure the weirder impulses with something more commercial um, you know how to make it a success so that movie executives and A24 is happy while audiences go nuts for it and you get people like 
you know, James Hong and Michelle Yeoh, for, for Christ's sake, to come to come on board. Uh, yeah, and it's like I've, you know, want to have wanted to be a filmmaker, still want to do things tangentially regarding film. And it's it is like these guys are the guys who should be doing it. I'm, I'm envious of their skill set that they are like logically and linearly putting together a strong, strong, solid career on these efforts. And it's like God knows what the next movie, like who knows what their next follow up could be. Yeah, like it, yeah. it could be anything. They could do yeah. a civil war drama. They could just play it straight, or they could do something completely yeah. wacky. Who knows? Or or Marvel or Warner's could come knocking, and they sure. could do fucking. You know, Moon Knight Six. Uh, what's, yeah. Moon Knight Six, or what's a what's a Marvel character who hasn't had a movie at all? Well, Nova's co- Nova at some point is coming. I'll tell you, Nova's that. really coming out. Yeah. Are we going to get Night Thrasher? I liked him when I was in Night school. Thrasher. All right, so Night, the, the New Warriors. That would be a good, tell, Nova was in tell me Warriors. on the fallopian scale though. Where does this fall for you? All right, so so here's what I came up with. Right, our previous topics. Uh, I was put in mind of 100 Gex in that it's weird different i don't really jibe with it but i definitely jibe with it a lot more than i jibe with what but I, but i get the craft behind it i definitely jibe with it more than i jibe with 100 gex so i decided to multiply it by something else i don't it doesn't really appeal to me but i have more use for and that's sourdough bread like i'm never gonna bake sourdough bread but i'm gonna fucking eat it right because it's delicious how, how was your starter doing but when we first started talking My about starter. it is, is it still going uh, you still have it in a it's applying jar? to law school now it's uh, it's it's <laughs> It got into uh, it got rejected from Harvard Law, but but University of Texas Law School. It got in. It got into Liberty. What is it? Liberty College. The fall yeah, Liberty out? University. Liberty University. No, it, it's, no, come on. I raised that sourdough starter. Give it, give it some credit. Uh, but yeah, hundred gex times sourdough starter, okay. sourdough bread, sourdough. I'm growing sourdough and baking bread because you know the pandemic that's pretty that, cool that's where i put it yeah. i um you know i thought that this is this isn't my favorite like we've covered some films in this show um in fact you know what i've, I've i think i try to steer away from films because there's so many movie-based podcasts it's it's i mean not that there there isn't part there aren't pop culture podcasts but you know like we've talked about a couple of films but of the ones we've talked about in the show this isn't my favorite of those but uh i mean it's definitely up there it made me think of summer of soul um, mm. for for a couple of reasons, and one was that Summer of Soul was a very well done documentary. It too, sh- it showed me something that I didn't know was there, and you know the combination of the footage and then the way Questlove put it together as a director. Um, you know, it was like it nailed home this thing that we just get the impression, oh, we would not have seen this unless people loved it enough to be passionate about it and make it. Uh, just and it was just outside of our field of vision, you know. And um, I, you know, that's compelling. I mean, the, the when movies are great, but then the narrative about the film or about a project is compelling like that. It's a double winner for me. I really love that when you make something more interesting because it's, it's you know, I get the impression this is special. This is something I would not have seen. And in a normal world, the 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 wheels were were designed to grind this into powder and it blow away in the wind. Yeah. Instead, instead yeah. we get it. Um, so, you know, like I said, Summer, I, I appreciate that Summer Assault really was a pretty decent hit. Was that this year? Yes, it was. No, it was, it was, last, it was last year. It was last summer. Yeah, that's yeah, right. It's all, it all time, time dilates. Soul. But yes, yeah. it's like that movie wound up being also really buzzy. Everybody loved that movie. And it's like, well, this is almost the same social position of something that catch, yeah, catches up for but good, that, smart reasons. That movie, I mean, the message of that movie was very straightforward. Yeah. Yes. No. I mean, that was the point. Yeah. Successful. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I get your comparison, but 
I think that's a good. Point. All right, man. But, well, so I think this is one that we could say we get it. We yes. do get it. Oh yeah, sure. Um, we're gonna post about this on social media. People are gonna see the headline. I don't get a podcast. Everything, everywhere, all at once. But well, how do you not like this? How dare you? You're what a is bunch wrong of with Richard you? Brodies? You're all Richard Brodies over there. It's because you're. It's because you hate. Would it wait? Would it be Richards Brody? Richards Brody. Brody Richards. Brody Richards. Brody's. All right, everybody. Anyway, I'm going to bring it home. Whatever. Yeah. We're all over the place. So if you guys want to find past episodes of this year's podcast, look on Apple Podcast, the little thing, the pink little app on your phone if you're using an Apple device of some sort. Go to SoundCloud. Go to Google Play. Go to Stitcher. Tweet to us at Noah and Bill Show. Write to us, Noah and Bill don't get it at gmail.com. Give us a review on the aggregators. That's how people find new podcasts when the algorithm gets around to showing you us. I am on Twitter at William Scurry. My video content is on YouTube at youtube.com slash amcaesar. And Noah, last week I posted my first essay in a while. I did a uh, in-depth view, a look at Richard Pryor's self-directed biography from 1986, JoJo Dancer. Uh, your, ah. life, your life is calling. A movie, by the way. This is. I don't spend much time on social media anymore. I miss this shit, Bill. Yeah, yeah. Uh, R- Richard right. Pryor is, a, you know, a, a titanic figure in culture, and it's like you have to go back and let people know Richard Pryor actually wrote and directed with Paul Paul Mooney, who co-wrote it. He did his own biopic in '86, and it right. flopped, and nobody remembers it. And I think I remember. I remember hearing about it. Because I thought it had a weird title. I thought, you know what? I knew who Richard it's Parker worth was. looking at from afar to see just what happened with this thing. Again, it's like, and, and the whole point of this, I think, was that Richard Pryor, you know, he's going to get some really poorly conceived uh, biopic with actors wearing putty makeup and CGI defects and shit like that. And it's like, why? Well, let, before that happens, let's go back to a more romantic era when you know Richard Pryor attempted to t- tell his own story himself. And let's 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 take a look at what happened. Anyway, so that's on YouTube. Now Noah will tell you a little bit about his. See, self. now I want to watch this movie. What? Where is this movie streaming online? Uh, JoJo? Yeah, I'm sure it is. I mean, you may need to pay for it on like one of the services, you know, like Apple Movies or something like that. But it's available, sure. Okay, I'll watch it. Okay, thank you, thank you for reminding me. Uh, hey, check out BigQuizThing.com, the finest in corporate and private trivia events nationwide. We're booking heavy, heavy for the summer. Uh, we do have a rare public event coming up June 12th. We're back at Sunday, June 12th. We're back at The Crossing at East Cut in gorgeous San Francisco, hosted by me, an afternoon of big-time trivia fun, free to play. Uh, so check us out at BigQuizThing.com. Hire us for your own corporate or private event. It's, it's busy, man. Fucking, i got to work out some new flying. systems. Run it, fucking flying. Running a business ain't for the faint of hearts. You know what, man? Take R- it running a business is no way to run a business. Right, exactly. And look at you. You start a new business every week. It's amazing. What does isn't that say it? about you? I know, really. Just, just I, you, we, we all know up. guys like that. Okay, so what? What's better? Who? Okay, not what's better, because I know what's better. Who would you rather hang out with? The guy who's always starting a new business and it fails every time, or the guy who, or woman, who is always starting a new business, takes it to a certain point, sells it, and then starts a new... You know, he's only starting new businesses to sell them. So who would you... I, you know, the sell guy obviously is, quote-unquote, more of a success and probably has more money. Who would you rather hang out with? I bet you the failure is more interesting. See, I'd rather hang out with the sell guy. I bet you would, yeah. Because the fail... I, I know too many. <laughs> That's true, yeah. And I'm a little tired of that. Uh, no, I, some of them are great. Uh, okay, so yeah, bigquisting.com. 
Uh, I've been doing this shit for 20 years, dude. I know. When's it gonna it's stop? Amazing, amazing somebody, how life takes you. Just begging when you, I, please, knock it when off. When it kills me, motherfucker. When it kills me. So, uh, help contribute to that death by going to bigquizthing.com and hiring us, and, uh, I will give you a piece of my soul, and you will have a good time. Alright, everybody, until the next time-bending, genre-bending, family-based narrative episode of this year podcast, we, we don't, don't get, get it. it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2022.